And while children are leaving, let me also uh, introduce our guest speaker, uh, Pastor Don S. Kim. Pastor uh, Don, he is uh, uh, he's from originally from Ohio, graduate of, of Ohio Institute of Technology. I always made a fun of it. There's such a school, they call OIT. But anyway, he was a, a electrical engineer, you know, major was electrical engineering, uh, uh, in electrical engineering. And then he received a call from God, and then he came to seminary at Golden Gate Baptist Seminary. And uh, that's where we met. And not only we met, he met my sister, older sister, and uh, they've been married for 30 some years. I don't know, sorry, you know. And uh, 35 years, 34 years, somewhere around there. And uh, he's been serving churches in Los Angeles, California, Los Angeles and Bay Area, or oh, San Luis Obispo, uh, Cal Poly. We have some Cal Poly people here, Cal Poly, you know. And, oh, I didn't know Richard is Cal Poly and, uh, and also Stanford, Bay, I mean, Bay Area. He also served as an international church pastor at Seoul National University and also Hosanna Church in Busan. So he's here for the, uh, our wedding. And uh, so I, I'm trying to milk him. So he's here. Only problem is that he came two days ago. So he didn't go to bed until 5 a.m. So God have a mercy on him and all of us. Let's welcome him. Thank you for wonderful welcome. Uh, whatever happened in seminary stays in seminary. Pastor Paul, right? Uh, and whatever happened in San Luis Obispo stays in San Luis Obispo too. Uh, really, I am very honored uh, to be here. Uh, especially, uh, I'm meeting old friends, uh, old partners in Christ together. Uh, and it's, it's really uh, uplifting, especially being in this new sanctuary. I heard this is the third Sunday you are doing. And then because of some technical preparations, necessary. We started about 10 minutes or 15 minutes late, right? Uh, but then luckily, there's no worship service following this worship service. <laughs> so I'll make it up for the loss of time. So I'll finish it early, okay? So uh, we have about what? How many minutes? Uh, two hours, I heard. <laughs> uh, but I'll keep it simple. Uh, you know, engineer's mode uh, or, or motto uh, is kiss it. K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I'll do that. Let's uh, open our Bible uh, to Book of Esther, Chapter 1. Uh, and I titled this message, PC, PC. You know, there was a seminary student, very old student, when I was going to seminary uh, in 1985. Uh, and older than me, much older. Uh, so he's probably passed away. But then uh, he was a farmer. Uh, and then one day he was farming, and then he received revelations from God, uh, and then he decided to enter seminary. Uh, and then he was studying, but yet because he was old and studying like Greeks and Hebrews and theology, he couldn't catch up. So he was on academic probation. You know what academic probation is, right? AP, not advanced placement, but academic probation. Uh, so he went to the dean uh, and was asking Dean to pass him, give him, give him just uh, 
diploma so that he can go out and preach. Uh, and Dean said, why should I pass you? Uh, and he said, you know, I was farming one day, uh, and then all of a sudden I saw the sky and then all these cloud forming special letters, seems like. And then he said, P-C. And then he was thinking, what could this mean? And then realized, preach Christ. So he took that as God's revelation, and then he went to seminary, and then he was studying, but yet he couldn't finish the study. And so he was asking Dean to pass him, pass him. I could understand. And then Dean was asking, you know, how did you come to seminary? And he was explaining, and this is how I came to seminary, P.C., preach Christ. And I must preach Christ, and I must graduate, so you must graduate me. Uh, and then the dean was kind of thinking, hmm, might it be plant corn? <laughs> you know, we must read times correctly. We must read signs correctly. Otherwise, we could be in wrong place, wrong time, and in wrong result, end. Uh, and you know, these days, we're seeing a lot of things happening around us. Uh, coronavirus pandemic, everybody knows that. Uh, and wildfires in California. Uh, and storms. Uh, I mean, unheard of. Unexpected. Uh, and a lot of these riots. And one of the things that, that really shocked me was people taking over Capitol Hill. Uh, and in a way... Motivated by the president, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, he denies that. Uh, and then Afghanistan retreat, or I would say withdrawal. Uh, I mean, unheard of, unexpected, even unplanned. Uh, and then one of the <laughs> worst things, and then that is continually, continually saying this, this election was a fake or it was uh, altered or whatever, and continually fighting over that. Unheard of. Never in history uh, has America gone through this kind of events. Uh, you know, one of the things, common thing, common word that would describe this would be unprecedented. Uh, unprecedented. Meaning, never happened before. Unheard of. And cannot even imagine these kind of things would happen to us. But you know what? Because of corona, not probably because of corona pandemic, but then we're going through that kind of unprecedented time. Who would have thought this kind of virus would come uh, and then infect the whole world? Uh, and not just infect the whole world, but the whole world is frozen because of this. Uh, everybody being separated, wearing, wearing masks, and not just wearing masks and things, these kind of things that we do for, for medical purpose, but then not being able to meet together, not being able to talk together, not being able to have fellowship together, you know, to church, this is very devastating. And I was very surprised today to see many of you, many of you coming here, uh, maybe because it's Texas. But in California, still, still they have to keep the distance. And in Korea, it's even worse. Uh, I mean, in Korea, they're giving a lot of these Christians, giving reasons not to come to church. And even pastors, you know, I was kind of a middle of that pandemic, when it began last year, February, church began to close down. At the beginning, it was, it was very awkward, scary. Wow, we're going to lose our faith. We're going to lose our members. 
But you know what? As the days go by, as the weeks pass, you know, on and on and on, I'm getting very comfortable. Yeah. And then they said, okay, you know, it's under control. Now we can meet. Everybody come to church. I go, oh, do I have to go to church? I'm pastor, you know, I'm pastor. Because I like Zoom meeting. You know, Zoom meeting, you just have to wear a T-shirt, nice T-shirt. And then under, you know, who knows what? And in a couch. And you can even control the background. Did you know that you can control your background? So what I did was I take picture, you know, like a self-picture right there. Uh, and then use that as my background. And then I can move there. I can just get outside, out of the camera, but then still people see me. And then one guy called me. Hey, pastor, how come you're not blinking your eyes? <laughs> oh, so I made a little video where I can blink <laughs> you know, and put it as my background, you see. And I'm thinking, if a pastor's like that, what about members? Will they come back to church? Will they continue their faith? Will they continue their fellowship? Will they have that zeal, that, that vision that God had given us initially? And I was very, I am very, very surprised and very blessed by your presence, especially your testimonies. Reminded me why I'm here. Reminded me we're here to experience God. We're here to experience God's glory. We're here to experience what God has made available for all of us. It just said we're not obedient. It just said we're not hearing. It just said we're not seeing what is happening. And we're bombarded by all these unprecedented events and then just throw inside our whole shell. Thinking, I'm safe. As long as I'm saved, we're okay. But you know what? Uh, never, ever, because I'm saved, everybody's okay. So I want us to look into the uh, book of Esther chapter 1, because this is where I see what our time is like. Back, I don't know how many years ago, uh, about B.C. 450, 500, around that time. Uh, and this is happening Almost like 2,500 years ago, this is happening. Think about that. Think about that. Uh, imagine, when you read the Bible, what you do is you imagine. You kind of visualize what is happening in the Bible. Uh, now it took place in the days of Ahasuerus. The Ahasuerus who reigned from India to Ethiopia, over 127 provinces. Think about this, this king, Ahasuerus. Uh, name you don't have to remember. This king, king of Persia. You know, somewhere around there, uh, ruling over, reigning over India to Ethiopia. Over 127 provinces. United States, just a, a country, 50 states. This is 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. In those days, as King Ahasuerus sat on his royal throne, which was at the citadel in Susa, in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet. For all his princes and attendants, the army officers of Persia and Media, the nobles and the princes of his provinces being in his presence. He's, he's throwing a party, just like a wedding party. I mean, as I was reading this and preparing the message, kind of a thought about Laurel and, and Brian's wedding reception we had yesterday. Like a, throwing a wonderful, wonderful big party. All his princes, attendants, 
you know, a lot of these are princesses and princes and princes and princesses <laughs> were, were there, right? Yeah, yesterday, right? Wonderful wedding feast. And he displayed the riches of his royal glory and the splendor of great majesty for many days, 180 days. Yesterday's uh, wedding feast was just one evening, but this is 180 days. When these days were completed, okay, this was finished, six months, the king gave a banquet lasting seven days for all the people who were present at the citadel in Susa, from the greatest to the least, in the court of the garden of the king's palace. So after the feast, he's kind of giving another feast for all the workers, attendants in his palace. There were uh, hangings of fine, white, and violet linen, right? Held by cords of, cords of fine purple linens on silver rings and marble columns and couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of pottery, marble, mother of pearl, and precious stones. Imagine, imagine, 2,500 years ago, these marbles and linens and pearls and all these things covering up, you know, this, this wonderful building, worship center, right? Well, we should really thank Thank this uh, uh, First Baptist Church. Yes, appreciate this. And verse 7, drinks were served in golden vessels of various kinds, and the royal wine was plentiful according to the king's bounty. The drinking was done according to the law. Uh, there was no compulsion. He says according to the law, but then no compulsion, meaning no limit. For so the king had given orders to each officer of his household that he should do according to the desires of each person. Hey, just, just drink up to whatever you want. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the palace which belonged to King Ahasuerus. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commended uh, Mahuman Pizza. Harbona, Bigtha, I practice this, but then still having our time here. Uh, Abagtha, Zetar, and Carcass, uh, seven eunuchs who served in the presence of King Ahasuerus to bring Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and the princess, for she was beautiful. And this king, after like almost the last day, last day, he's drunk and he's happy and he see everybody being happy and drunk. Wanted to brag about his wife, Vashti. She was known for beauty. So telling these guys, hey, why don't you ask Queen to come into this presence? You know, time of Esther somehow reminds us, or I am very reminded, what we're going through even now. King in power. Banquet for princes and officers and nobles. Display of riches, eating, drinking, fine linens, and drinks, wines in golden vessels. No compulsion according to the desires of everyone. Can you visualize what is happening here? During, during this time of Esther, 2,500 years ago, this king with power displaying his power. But yet, it is displaying sensual, selfish, stubborn, stupid, squandering spirit of the time. This was what people were living for. This was what people were envying. 
And if you're the king, if you have power, if you have money, this is what you are to do, kind of demonstrating and displaying. I am the king. And somehow, we are living in this kind of world where our world right now is so sensual, so selfish, stubborn, stupid, and squandering, wasting all these energies and resources. Do we not see that? When whole world is in pandemic, how the time of Esther displays the time right now, right now. People after money, power, and pleasure. Money, power, pleasure. Or somebody said, money, sex, power. This is what post-corona age is. Now, you know, because of vaccine and because some of the, like, uh, medicines, uh, they're believing or we're seeing that corona virus can be controlled. So we are now facing post-corona age, PC, post-corona. That's what PC stands for now. But this post-corona age, I believe, is very unpredictable still. Who is doing what? How the football is going to bounce? Nobody knows. Unpredictable and very uncontrollable. Even if we say it's under control, mm -mm. some people refusing to get vaccines. And even with vaccination, you catch coronavirus. Uncontrollable and very unruly world right now. People just doing things on their own. I don't want to get a vaccine. I mean, I'm not saying you have to get vaccine, but then everybody. I was very surprised. A lot of, lot of uh, street people in San Francisco and in Los Angeles. They're setting up their tents on the street. And they're going into the store and taking things. And store owners not doing anything. Bye-bye. You know why? Because even they called police. Police would not come. Why? Because of coronavirus. Oh, I don't want to catch coronavirus. Or they cannot send them to jail. Why? Because if they have coronavirus and it's going to spread out in the jail, so they, they don't even come and arrest them. Becoming unruly world right now uh, and very unfair to a lot of these people law-abiding citizens you know this was one of my son's favorite word it's unfair like Lion King you know unfair and you know what what's worse is everything vague uncertain What's going to happen next? Tomorrow, I do not know. Even I am for people gathering together, eating together, having fellowship together, but then it's very uncertain. What if, what if, what if, right? Yes. Yeah. What if? You know, I invited a lot of people to my house uh, back in Korea while this pandemic is going on, uh, and they limit people to like four people or even five or even six, even at home. But I say, you know, hey, you know, I'm vaccinated. You guys are vaccinated. We can kind of have fellowship. We must come together, pray together, you know. Uh, you know what happens when you pray together, right? Uh, a lot of spit. Uh, you know, when I preach, a lot of spit. <laughs> so showers of blessing Pastor Paul is receiving right now. 
I used to have uh, umbrellas in front so they can kind of do that. But, but then as I'm doing that kind of prayer meeting and having meeting together, I'm kind of wondering, what if, what if, what if one of the members somehow is exposed and have COVID-19 virus uh, and then being spread over in my home and I'm pastor, I'm responsible. You see? Very uncertain and brings in fear, fear. Fear of meeting, fear of talking, fear of doing what is necessary, essential for our survival, even having fear. And this corona, uh, post-corona age, uh, I realized becoming very chaotic, very dark, uncertain, empty. We're not getting anything. The only thing we get is mask, cover up. One thing good about wearing masks is that you don't have to wash your face or put on any makeup. Save a lot of money, for my wife especially. And fear, fear, growing, growing. And you know, when fear grows in you, that there's this kind of anger and rage coming out. And you see in these kind of demonstrations, you know why? Because of that kind of fear. Coming out as anger, rage, and we're distressed oh, because, you know, constantly have to think about what if that person, what if I'm carrying uh, coronavirus? And in despair, wow. This is not life. This is no life. We're living in U.S. We're living in New York, Dallas, California. Wonderful place. But then, you know what? With fear, darkness uncertainty we really cannot enjoy. So now they're saying PC must be WC. Post-corona, no longer post-corona, now we have to what? Uh, live with corona, WC. But you know, I think this WC is for us, is with Christ. Yes. Even with corona, we cannot survive, we cannot thrive. But you know what? PC can overcome. In post-corona age, we must live with Christ, knowing that Christ is with us. And how are we to live in this kind of post-corona age, dark age, fearing age? How? Well, uh, from the book of Esther, make a difference. Make a difference where you are. Make a difference where you are, regardless of PC, WC, or AD, BC, whatever. You can make a difference where you are, regardless of the time. That's one of the timeless truths from the book of Esther. What it means is that, yes, we're going to go through this kind of unprecedented events and time, but yet, regardless of time, what can we do? We can make difference. Amen? Especially people of God. Yes, God is not going to remove coronavirus. But whether coronavirus is here, with us, or over there, past, regardless, what can we do? We can make a difference. Amen?
Yes, you can make a difference where you are, regardless of the time. And book of Bible, book of Esther, is a proof. It's a witness telling us, even in that dark period, Esther thrived, rose above the circumstances, and not just rose above and being in a queen's position, but then she delivered or she saved her people from such dark world, evil world. And you know what? You and I can still do that wherever we are, wherever God has placed you. And the question is, how do we do that? You know what? First, we must demonstrate compassion. Rather than complaining, rather than blaming other people, circumstances, what do we do? You and I can demonstrate what? Compassion. Compassion anywhere, everywhere, anytime. Amen? Yeah. There's nothing, nothing against love, Bible says. Nothing can stop love. But yet, you know, as a pastor, even myself, in the name of coronavirus, in the name of following the rules, I said, okay, we don't have to meet. Okay, we don't have to do visitation. Okay, we don't have to do Bible study. Or we don't even have to get together and meet. Uh, I said, that's BS. Uh, we need Bible study, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah, regardless, we can do what? We can express, we can exercise, we can demonstrate what? Demonstrate compassion. You know, one of the favorite, my personal words, is Romans 5.8. While we were still sinners, God demonstrates in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See? Really didn't matter who we are, where we are, what kind of condition it is. Expressing, demonstrating compassion, there's no law against it. Especially times like this, demonstration of compassion will thrive you over the circumstances. You know, book of Esther, we, we remember Esther. Esther's known for that, that famous phrase, right? If I perish, I perish. And how she, she uh, plead on behalf of her people to the king, and how not only she saved her, her people, but yet eradicated that evil person, Haman, right? We all know the story. But then what we do not know is that the, the person behind Esther, Mordecai, Mordecai, how he demonstrated compassion in this dark world. You know, Mordecai and Esther, I don't know how they got to be in that, that country, but then they were foreigners. Maybe they were taken captive, or maybe they were businessmen, or maybe they were uh, immigrated. Uh, you know, how many of you know FOB means, right? Uh, fresh off the boat, or fresh off the bihengi, I heard. <laughs> and I'm one of those. When I was young, uh, I called myself Fab, F-O-B. Uh, I'm not fresh off the boat, but then I was forced on the boat. I, it wasn't my will. I didn't decide to go to U.S. When, when I was living in Korea. It was my parents taking us, hey, we're going to U.S. Uh, so I called myself Fab. I'm forced on the boat, not by my meal. Uh, you know, a lot of things happen. A lot of unwanted things happen to us by force. Not your choice, 
being born Korean, being born Chinese, being born where you are, with under that kind of parents, not your choice. Esther was an orphan, not her choice. Nobody wants to be an orphan. In a foreign land, not her choice. Maybe her parents, maybe her country, taken captive. Being a girl, not her choice. Nowadays, you know, being a girl is much, 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 much better than being a boy these days. I have two daughters and one son, and I can tell, wow, being a woman these days is much, much, much better. Yeah. For olden days over there, being a girl, orphan, foreigner, think about that. Not her choice, but yet what? But yet she cannot go on living. No hope, no future for her. Uh, 2,500 years ago, we're talking. And then Mordecai, her cousin, Mordecai, probably much older cousin, looking at Esther, took her in, adopted her as his own daughter. You know, it's not like an adoption uh, kind of happening in the U.S., you know, oh, we need a child and we want to adopt a child and then going through all kinds of process and paying a lot of money and then adopting a, a child. But then, no, no. We're talking about neglected child. We're talking about unwanted child, unnoticed, and unable kid, little child, taking her into his own life. I mean, was Mordecai rich? Was he popular? Was he in mainstream of the society? No, he himself was a foreigner. Maybe that's why he understood. But didn't really matter who he was, who she was. When she needed help, when she needed somebody to take care of her, who stepped up? Mordecai did. I'm going to take her in to my life. Care for her, care for her. It is, that's compassion. You know, compassion is not sharing things that you have left over, but even in the midst, despite your circumstances, shortcomings, still displaying love, care. You know, love is very, very strange. Not because you have a lot, you can love somebody, but even if you have a little bit in your heart, very, very powerful. And I believe that's what Mordecai did, and that's what really raised Esther to be what she has become. Your act of compassion, your act of little act of compassion will result in wonderful, life-giving fruit. You know, people ask me or people tell me uh, when I was in seminary or I was growing up, hey, Pastor Don, you speak English pretty well as a foreigner. You know why? I realize, I realize. Uh, you know, after I came to U.S., the third day, I came to U.S., I think August 31st, arrived, I remember. And then there was a Labor Day uh, weekend. Uh, and then following Tuesday, I didn't even know it was Monday or Tuesday or anything, I was enrolled into school. Think about that. I didn't even speak English, didn't know anything about America. I just went to school. You, you, I, I was kind of forced into school. Go to school. Okay, I go to school. Huh. 
And there was this old teacher. I call her old lady. You know, I didn't know whether she was a teacher or not. You know how American teachers, they don't dress up. You know, they're like a regular normal people. Uh, and she was pretty old. And then she kind of called me. Hey, Don, why don't you stop by my class one hour every day, every day one hour. I will teach you English. I didn't even ask her that. But, you know, being a good student, in Korea, you know, you, you follow whatever your teacher tells you to do. So after school, you know, after school, everybody's going home, but then I'm going to this class in one-on-one. She's beginning to teach me English. Uh, took out a little uh, learning card, uh, starting with words, uh, and then a little story in a card. And then she's asking me, you know, this kind of question, that kind of question. Uh, and I remember, I got, into this, I got to this word ugly. I was, you know, learning word ugly, and I didn't even know what that meant. Uh, and then this, this very handsome social t- study teacher comes and walks in, just saying hello. Uh, and then uh, the teacher was proud of me, Mrs. Glazer. I still remember her name. Uh, she's saying, hey, Don, is Mr. Templeton. Uh, he was a social study teacher, very tall, blonde hair, uh, young man. Very handsome guy. Is Mr. Templeton uh, handsome or ugly? And I didn't know what ugly meant. And I didn't know what handsome meant either. But then I, I learned the word just now. So she's asking me if I knew the word. So I thought, hmm, okay, yes, ugly. <laughs> and then this teacher, Mr. Templeton, looking at me like this, am I ugly? Yes. <laughs> you know, when you talk to people in, in America, you have to smile, right? So you smile and yes. Uh, and then uh, he, I didn't know what was happening uh, with him. But then a week later, a week later, he came to me again. And he came to me with English-Korean dictionary. I mean, I couldn't even get it, Right? English Korean dictionary. 1974, we're talking about. In Cleveland, Ohio. He brings me English Korean dictionary. And Don, this is my present. And you know, I, I really didn't like studying English, but because he gave me that, I had to carry it all the time to, to kind of show him. Uh, and then began to kind of learn one word at a time. And because of those two teachers teaching me English one hour every day after school, act of compassion. And this Mordecai taking Esther in, act of compassion. Doesn't matter what the world does. Doesn't matter what the world wants. But you know what? We can make a difference where we are. Demonstrating compassion to your daughter, son, parents, friends. Obedience leads to experience, right? Act of compassion. And then second, determine commission. I mean, I wanted to kind of... Uh, imitate Pastor Paul. So I wanted to kind of put all these words together. Determine commission meaning. We must, we must determine what I'm commissioned for. You know what? You know what? God built His church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And then 
You know, the word church means uh, called out, right? Called out. Saint. Called out people. But you know, Jesus called us to become a church, so what? So we can be sent out. We can be sent out. And sometimes we wonder why we are here. As I was growing up in America and going through college, and even though you know, my, my university is not even recognized, I just tell people, you know, OIT is like a MIT but in Ohio. <laughs> you know? That was my pride, you know. I got a job and working and, uh, and buying a car and stereo and even putting down payment for a house, you know, that kind of thing. All I needed was a dog and a wife. Then I'll be settled for American dream. Wow, I've got it made. And somehow I realized we're living like that. Even Christians. I mean, that was before I became Christian. Being in this kind of wonderful church, now pandemic is gone. Now you know, we can meet at church and wow, we can worship together. Wonderful, wonderful musicians and facility and everybody. Oh, wow, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I think probably Esther was doing that after she became queen. Can you imagine a fob becoming a queen? An orphan girl becoming a queen. Queen of King Ahasuerus. That, that Persian empire. She's probably got it made, living happily ever after. But you know what? God has placed where you are with a mission in mind, and we must determine what that mission is, what we are commissioned for, especially in this dark age. We're not here just to make money. We're not here just to become a doctor. We're not just here to get married, even though Laura and Brian got married the other, yesterday. We're not just here to have a wonderful family. We're not just here to build a church. We're not just here to come to worship, but what? To go out, to live out God's commission. You and I are commissioned people. It's just that we forget in this kind of dark world. Yes. And Esther was living happily, living comfortably, living luxuriously in palace, but yet not knowing what is happening outside the world. You know, somehow when we're inside the church and having worship like this, we forget. We don't even know what's going on in the world. Why? Because we're only seeing, hearing, and reacting or, or having relationship with the believers. But you know, outside the world, it's dying, it's perishing And Mordecai here going to Esther and Esther, 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 Esther. Wake up. You don't know what's happening out there. Your people, my people, we're dying. We're, we're at the verge of destruction, annihilation. But yet, yes, you're comfortable, but yet, you know, no. Your comfort will not guarantee your future. Uh-uh. And consider, might it be, may it be, you have all these for such a time as this. We must ask questions when things are going better, when things are going good, when things are happy, rather than when it crumbles down. You know, when it crumbles down and then breaks down and you're sick and all that. Yes, we ask questions, why, why, why? Why, why, why? 
But never ever do we ask questions when we're doing well, when we're getting together, when we are thriving. Have we ever asked God questions? Why, why, why? You know, this is the critical time we must ask God. Why, when we are thriving? Why all these blessings? Not when we're going through difficulties and trials and temptations. Why God? Why me? You know, no, no, no. When you're doing well, especially I'm talking to a lot of these Korean Americans and Asian Americans who are very, very successful in this world, in America, in Dallas, Texas, in this wonderful church, we must ask questions, why? Why am I blessed? Why am I trained like this? Why am I coming to this kind of church, Forest Church, even though Pastor Paul may not be ideal pastor for you, but he's one of the best pastors that I know. Actually, he's second best pastor that I know. And we have to ask the question, why? 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 When we are thriving, when we have what we want. And Mordecai reminding her, hey, you are commissioned. You know, if you look at all your resources and blessings, you know why you are blessed and all. What next step is. It just said, we're not asking why. Why? Because we're comfortable. We're not asking why. W-H-Y. What, how, and why. What are we to do? How are we to do? Why are we to do? Not when you are dying or when you are sick and when you are going through trials and temptations, but when you are thriving, when you are blessed, when you are at the top of your life, like when Queen Esther was queen. And Mordecai reminding her, might it be for such a time as this, God has prepared you to step up. Determine your mission. What you are commissioned for. You ask God. You ask God. God, what am I commissioned for? Why am I here? Why all these blessings? And then very last, Deepen your connection. Deepen your connection. Deepen your relationship. People that you know. Not just among believers and house church members and family members, but then deepen all the relationships. Uh, one thing that I regret, I really regret, uh, is because I was a pastor and then because there were a lot of members. Excuses, I think. Uh, my relationship with a lot of people were very surface, surface. Oh, hey, hello, Power. I mean, uh, hello, Pastor Don. Oh, hi, hi, hi. How are you? Okay. As long as you're coming to my church, I was, I was okay. I was happy. Why? Because they were coming to my church. But you know what? What matters is not the outward appearance, not the number of people, not the number of trees in a forest, you know, this forest church name, but how people are connected, deeply connected in their root, spiritual root. You see, even in California drought, you know, California has a lot of droughts, but then some of the mountains still, all the trees thriving. I mean, top of the mountain, no water, no, no uh, river or, or stream of waters, no nothing, but yet they're, they're all green, thriving. A lot of animals living in there, birds in there. And a lot of people going there hiking and, and camping and all that. 
You know why? Because all the trees standing alone by themselves, but you know what? Their roots are deeply connected. The water from the bottom of the creek reaches all the way up to the top. It's a whole forest, green, whole forest, thriving. That's what this forest church is all about. Deeply connected root. Deeply rooted in the Word of God. Deeply rooted in the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. One thing I can tell you confidently is that Pastor Paul really understands the Word of God. He can really divide, make it palatable for you. And nourishing your spirit and connecting, connecting one another in spirit, in God. And what happens? Well, whatever happens doesn't really matter. It's just a matter of time going through together. You see, whether it's coronavirus, post-corona, or with corona, or with Christ, or with church, doesn't really matter the age or time. Why? Because when we are deeply connected, when we have our own personal commission and compassion, we know God watches over all people. We know when we do our part, God will do His part. God watches over all people. Like little orphan girl, Esther, like a little orphan Bob, Don. Wherever you are, God watches over you. Amen? And not only He watches over us, but He works in all things. He works in all things. He works in all things to bring out the good goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ in you and me, in this church. And then God is worthy of all of me. I mean, who is worth your life? What's worth your life? Think about that. Yes, your wife. Brian, remember. Your life. Who is worthy of my life? Even I'm not worthy of my life. But God, I mean, you and I are called to live for the name of God, glory of God, honor of God. And God is happy to receive such worship. And I know I'm not in any position Uh, to tell you or even demand anything from you. But I would like to ask this time, uh, just just take a moment, maybe 30 seconds. Uh, 30 seconds is a long time. Uh, Just telling God, God, I don't know what's going on in this world. I don't know uh, what is coming up. I don't know what to do at this moment. But I know you're with me. I know you work in me. I know you consider me very worthy of your name. I want to bring out, I want to bring out glory of your son Jesus Christ through me in me. 
even from now on. Shall we pray unto the Lord uh, and then end our worship after that? Father, we know when things are happening around us, we just cannot see uh, where we are headed and what's coming ahead of us. And we can stumble, we can complain, we can fall apart. But yet, Father, thank you for reminding us who you are, where you are to be, what to do, especially such a time like this. Uh, and as we bow before you, Father, and as we continue to dialogue with you, asking question why, uh, you reveal to us, uh, you reveal to me, Father, first, uh, where I'm headed. But more than anything, Father, reveal to me that you're with me, you love me, you care for me. All the things that you have done for me, uh, you did it out of your grace. And Father, let me not waste your grace. Oh God, use our church, use this forest church to become a forest. Forest where people can come and habitat. Not just live here, but making houses and ships and bridges so that people in this world will come to know you, come to have life in our Lord Jesus Christ and bring out the glory of your Son in such a dark period, dark time as this. Uh, thank you for uh, giving me an opportunity to share your word and worship together with this wonderful people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.